Welcome to the Mindset Evolution Podcast, powered by Self-Recoding, world-class consulting and coaching services that you can access at selfrecoding.com. Self-Recoding is a unique blend of neuro-healing modalities that will empower you to reach your full potential. Join thousands of others who have experienced rapid results in their journey of personal growth. Now enjoy our show where we bring you tools for a powerful mind with your hosts, Kathy Tate and Daisy Park. And hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bold and Blonde Mindset Evolution, the podcast that gives you tools for a powerful mind. I'm Kathy Tate, your host from Australia, with me as always, your host from America, Daisy Papp. Hi, Daisy. Hi, my dear friend. I am very curious what you have to bring to the table of our podcast. And I'm very curious what this episode will be all about. And I'm glad to see you. And I'm so grateful to the listeners in 95 countries that stick with us, that share our show. Please like our show and give us a review because that helps other listeners to find us more easier and it helps the algorithms for us to be found. Absolutely. And please do check us out at boldandblonde.live. You can send us a message there, send us feedback, send us your thoughts on our topics and support us while you're there. That would be fantastic. We love to stay ad-free and we need your help to do that. Mm-hmm. Without any further ado, today's episode, Daisy, is Be the Problem or Be the Solution? Well, aren't we sometimes either this or that? And I think that's the good point to come to the conclusion that I cannot be part of the solution while I am part of the problem. And therefore, let's have a look at when am I part of the problem and when can I be part of the solution? Very good topic, very important conversation to have. Yeah, I think so. I think that it is possible to be both once you recognize that you're part of the problem, then that awareness. Yes, but not at the same time. So we're either or. Yes, it would be sequential. (laughs) (laughs) Once you realize you're part of the problem, then you can be part of the solution with that realization. Mm. And of course, they don't happen at the same time, but it does take some, I think, self-awareness to realize when you are part of the problem. Yes. I think it also takes an environment that is gently giving us hints and allows us to realize and come to the own conclusion. Very interesting. I had some great email conversations back and forth, if you can call it a conversation over email, but it was a back and forth about some scientific numbers, which I'm inquiring information about because I'm curious. And I see that sometimes the receiving end or the addressee is unaware of some points that are included in my question. So indirectly, they're learning through my question. Now, I have some great teachers in my life. They ask me questions that help me then to realize, ah, I come to a new thought or I come to a new conclusion. I come to the insight inside of me. The awareness alone that I can be either or is not enough. I think it is important that we surround ourselves with people who show us a gentle mirror so that we can look in the mirror and realize ourselves. What do you think? Yeah, I think that is the interesting way to put it. And 
I think that you're right that our environment gives us hints. I think that they're all around us all the time. Mm. And I don't know, maybe it takes some bravery to look in that little mirror. Yes, and sometimes we can't avoid it anymore when it's so loud <laughs> looking back at us then sometimes we can't avoid it anymore. Yeah, look, when I look back on my life, there's been a lot of times where I know that I've been part of the problem, mm. especially in circumstances of my own making. And I think the key for me was to realize that, okay, I've made some bad decisions, but I wasn't going to be a victim to them. So just own up and say, okay, well, I stuffed up there. That wasn't a good decision. Now I'm in these circumstances. What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And then I would try and come up with some solutions that could change my circumstances. But I think that the key there is the ownership of being part of the problem. Like in the cases I'm referring to, perhaps there was other influences in why I made those decisions. But at the end of the day, they were my decisions and I had to own them. Mm -hmm. I think a good idea is to own up the possibility that we might be part of the problem. And when we own up to that, I give you an example. I had a conversation with a lady at the phone and she responded to me in a way as if she could have not possibly understood what I was mentioning to her. So I didn't say, oh, yeah, but what are you talking about? No, I said, well, I have the feeling as if I'm not really understood. Do you have another moment so I can try one more time? So I owned up for it, although I think she maybe wrote some emails or was on any social media while I was talking to her because she didn't get at all what I was trying to deliver. But I owned up because I'm responsible for the delivery, not her. And I'm responsible also to get her attention. Huh? <laughs> so when I take that on me, then I'm part of the solution before the problem can succeed or can expand or get really big and fat and ugly. Now, mm. we can do that every single one of us in our little areas of life. Instead of, yes, Johnny never understands me. Okay, how can I improve speaking with Johnny? so that I can be understood. I think that's a good point. And it makes me think of children. You know, you need to get their attention before you speak to them about something because they're interested in this and then the question is about this and then this is exciting and everything's mm. new. And <laughs> as children with their curiosity and their young minds, often their attention is divided or very easily moved from one thing to another. And I recall as a parent having to sort of get their attention before I wanted to impart what it is that was important to say. Perhaps I was trying to look out for his safety and we're at the playground and I wanted him to be aware that if he fell, he could get hurt, for instance. You need to make sure that you have their attention before you say something that is important so that they absorb it because their attention can be divided so quickly. Well, I think that goes for adults too. Mm -hmm. Our attention can be easily swayed mm -hmm. at times and there's so much going on in today's world. There's so many inputs for us to deal with and if we're under a sort of a stressful situation, it can be difficult to focus and when there's a situation, I think that 
it is the responsibility of the person trying to communicate to make sure they have the attention, but also the responsibility of the other person to give that attention because otherwise you're not really communicating properly. There'll be this mismatch and that's when things don't get heard properly, they don't get interpreted, you know, the way they're meant or if you don't give your full attention to something that's happening, you can quite easily misconstrue it, can't you? Yes, and we didn't even speak about the emotional turmoils that someone can go through while they're trying to deliver or while they're trying to understand or hear someone. I think actually being part of the problem or being part of the solution, I think a big part of that lays in communication. And it's very interesting when I hear you describe it, if I heard you correctly, that how we want to deliver something or that you're speaking to someone and you're trying to explain something and then they are responsible for understanding or they must be willing to understand you. Did I get that right? I think that it's their responsibility to want to be part of the conversation and pay attention. Yes. Now, I think when we understand that in communication, the roles are changing, meaning you and I, we are having a conversation. Now I speak and you're the one receiving. And then it turns around. I become the receiver and you become the sender. So it requires from every one of us that we are able to switch quite quickly so that I can receive your words, comprehend them, understand them. And if I don't understand them, ask questions because I'd like to understand you if I'd like to understand you. If I don't feel interested in understanding you, let's cut it off and bye-bye. <laughs> Why would we waste one another's time and just exchange pleasantries? I think time is very precious, maybe too precious for doing that. So when we understand that we are both, we are listeners And we are communicators and part of being a communicator, a good communicator, requires being a good listener too. Which makes me think of kind of a saying I heard, which is, listen to understand, not to respond. Yes. Now, what that means, I'll just clarify, what that means is that our ears, which we have two of, mm -hmm. <laughs> are there to hear, to listen, to seek understanding, to find common ground. But if we listen to respond, all we're doing really is defending our own point of view without really trying to understand the other person's mm -hmm. point of view. So I think it's an important point. Yes. Yes. I think with that mindset, you are already part of the solution. Yeah. And that's the key. And I think there are many ways and many areas in our lives where we can be more of the solution than participating in the problem. It is so easy to be tangled in and lured in into being part of the problem. Let's say somebody's really upset and they just start yelling and raise their voice and maybe use verbiage that is not very pleasant for us or not our choice to then go on their level and just yell back or shout back. That is not really going to help anything because then we end up two people on that level where two people are upset and cussing and yelling and shouting at one another. So I think point is, how can I inspire others to also want to be part of the solution more often? And it goes back to respecting others' choices, as you said, the willingness mm, so that it requires a willingness to listen or to be on the receiving end 
to hear what you are saying or what you mean or what you're thinking, or what you're feeling, what you're wanting. I think it is important that we respect other people's choices. Another key point is to slow down. Oftentimes we jump to conclusions. We jump to respond. We jump to react. We jump to say something. And yes, when we want to be good listeners, and of course we will have thoughts in the meantime, have a little notepad or train your memory and try to remember instead of jumping in. Jumping to conclusions or assuming, projecting leads to being part of the problem, not going to solve the thing most times. Yeah, I think this is especially important in relationships. I think that communication being a key to getting relationships right, as in the ability to share with each other, to be on that same wavelength, to be understanding of each other, I think is what makes relationships stronger. But I also think that when you add emotions into the mix and they're running high, that can create tensions and can create situations where it is more likely for someone to jump to a conclusion or to make an assumption without really hearing the whole story because of those emotions. And I think that we as humans have a tendency to run with those emotions before we allow our logical minds in. Now, I say all that because I know that in my past, that's what I've done in relationships where we haven't had brilliant communication. We've struggled with that. And emotions have been super high at times where disagreement happening, but it's been really difficult to speak about it in a calm manner because of these emotions. And I think that's probably quite common where we can let our emotions get in the way of our communication skills. I think it's a very good point to point out that when the emotions are high, then slow down even more. Why? Yeah. Because when my emotions are high, I am more likely to have the tendency to misunderstand, to behave in ways that are not in alignment with the loving, caring, creative, empathetic human I was born to be. And I can train myself to not be somebody who jumps to conclusions, who does not make assumptions, who is not projecting in general most of the time when I'm in a calm mode. I can train myself to do so, so that when my emotions go up, up through the roof at times, because situations do happen in life, it can happen, but that then my tendency will not be the automated program, run and make assumptions and make things worse. Run and do projections because now I'm high in my emotions. Yes, you always, of course. And then what was when you spoke to Kathy and then when you did this and the dog and the cat and I knew it all the way. Now, that is when then La La Land starts kicking in and that is absolutely bringing us on the journey of being part of the problem. So when I make a clear decision that I do no longer want to be participant in being part of the problem, then I can train myself while I'm in calm modus. Modus operandi. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. Like the more that we do train ourselves, the more that will kick in when it's needed. 
it goes back to the toothpaste. When I train myself and put all the goodies in the toothpaste while I'm in a good mood and while I'm receptive, then when I'm going to be squeezed, only the good stuff comes out. <laughs> yes, if you haven't seen it, guys, we did an episode called Toothpaste and it was a really interesting one, which Daisy's referring to there. We also did another episode about the need to be right. Mm. And I think that that plays in here too, because if you have this need to be right all the time, then you're definitely part of the problem. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think so. Now, when you want to take an inventory, how much likely you are more often part of the problem than part of the solution, it's truly simple. It's not easy. It's simple and it's very worthwhile. Have a look at your own values. Have a look at your emotional backpack, what's in there. What are the unresolved issues that you still carry within you? Because life happens and when circumstances are not so comforting as we would like them to be, then oftentimes we are even more triggered because the stuff in our backpack or the unresolved issues appear even heavier on us than before. And then a tiny little problem can appear as a huge disaster. Why? Because it feels as such, because we still have all that old stuff in the backpack, the emotional backpack. So whatever I carry with me will make my problems more problematic and me more problematic in being part of the solution because I will stick to the problems or they stick to me. And that's my responsibility to solve them. Yeah, I actually call that like the overload button (laughs) when there's so much going on Mm. for you and perhaps you're in a situation that is already highly charged with emotion, already very stressful. One tiny little thing can tip you over the edge. Mm. And yeah, I think it's important to be aware of your capability to deal with things and sometimes we need to chunk it down and deal with one little piece at a time so that we don't go into this overwhelm and we don't continue being part of the problem but can then rather start finding ways to be part of a solution or figuring out what possible solutions are there to this. How can you change things? How can you make them easier? How can you break them down a bit? How can you remove some of the stress or overwhelm so that you're not tipped over the edge Mm. by something that normally probably wouldn't do that to you? Mm -hmm. But when you're in this highly charged stage... Any little thing can be too much. Yeah, or if you didn't sleep well, or if you have tummy pain, or if you are having toothache, then we respond very differently. Did we hydrate enough? Did we eat? Didn't we eat? Are we breathing? Are we giving our body enough oxygen? These are all little components that can have a huge impact. I'd like to point out one more thing, and maybe some of our listeners can relate to that. There are some people types that have a problem for every solution. And then there's this other type of human, they have a solution to every problem. And I wonder when we look at these two types, if let's say we divide them into two categories for this experiment or for this point of view, which one would you prefer surrounding yourself with? No influence here. Everyone can decide for themselves. 
And then the next question is, would you like to be like those you would like to surround yourself with? Big question marks. I don't know the sound of question marks, by the way. <laughs> I have no idea. And then make a reevaluation. That's what I would do. When we meet with people and we see, oh, wow, I never thought of it this way. They are so creative where they take another angle towards a problem. I think when we are open to seeing how other people handle situations, we can learn so much. And now comes in what you pointed out. When I have the need to be right, then I will be reluctant to take on even thinking about another opportunity or possibility to solve an issue in their way because it wasn't my idea. Because, of course, I need to be right. It must have been my idea so that I temporarily mm. can feel better, higher, greater, more fantastic, fabulous. But it's very temporary. It's short term only. It's not lasting. So I think it is a good idea to observe more. Observe yourself more. Why you do when you do what you're doing, while you do what you're doing. It's a good idea to start and have a look how you can be more solution oriented. Yeah. And now I think there's one final point I want to throw mm. in the mix here. Yes. And that is sometimes when a person is sharing their problems, they don't always want a solution to be given to them. Sometimes they just want to be heard. Yes. To be understood. Yes. To be empathized with. Yes. And I know that sometimes some people have the tendency to just want to solve everything. Mm. And they skip past the whole, I hear you, I understand you part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> now, men and women's brains think quite differently, I believe. I think you're right. We have done a couple of episodes on this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it not a male trait to want to provide those solutions but a female trait to want to talk about them, to be understood, but not necessarily have a solution handed to you. You want to work it out for yourself. Okay. So I would not say the male brain or the female brain. I think the male architecture and the female architecture of the brain, because we are each a combination of feminine and masculine parts and pieces within ourselves, even in the brain architecture. Now, the male architecture of the brain, yes, is very solution-oriented and jumps to conclusion and listens to a lady who is willing to share what's her BB and boo and what her heaviness is that she's carrying on her heart or on her shoulders. And he already sees the solution and she because the female architecture of the brain is more likely to think out loud while she is solving the problem. So she's speaking, solving, thinking at the same time. But now the male architecture of the brain, they rather retreat, think about it and only come out and speak out loudly or solve it when they know how to solve it. Now, therefore, it's very confusing when the male brain sees a female brain speak about the problem because then he or that individual may think, oh, aha, she already is ready to talk about it. So then I have the solution because there's a misunderstanding happening. And I think now being part of the solution would be, look, 
I have something that's really heavy on me and I would like to speak about it. I'm not looking for a solution. I wonder, would you just simply listen to me to fulfill my need to be heard? Now I'm part of the solution. And the other one, no matter male or female brain, but when someone tells me what's heavy on their heart or on their shoulders, I can ask before I give them a solution because otherwise it would be solicitation. I can ask, well, I have some thoughts to that. Let me know when you would like to know what I'm thinking. It's already solved. Yeah. And then we do not need to end up in these. We have the right to speak up for our needs and we have the right to even speak up for our need to be listened to. Yeah. And I think the other important thing too, especially for young people, is it's an important skill to learn to how to figure out a problem and find a solution. So if you just gave them the solution, then they'd miss all that learning. So I think that's important. When we're bringing up children, we want to encourage them and help them, guide them to see how they can figure out their solutions for themselves rather than just give them do this or do that. Like, Help them train their minds to realize when they're part of the problem and then how to find a solution. Yes, becoming self-thinkers is very important. Not only children, mm. I can suggest that to all adults around the world to either remain self-thinkers as you already are or become a self-thinker if you're not yet. Maybe just add in what you mean by self-thinker, Daisy. Oh, okay. Somebody who thinks for themselves so I don't need you to tell me if I'm okay wearing my white dress or my blue dress, but I can think for myself. Or is it okay to speak to John or is it not okay to speak to John? Maybe I can make up my mind. Self-thinking also means to me that I make up my own mind when it comes to communal questions or when it comes to family questions. Developing the self-thinking or critical thinking skills will help us in all areas of our lives, but most importantly, in realizing our place in the world and our place in the future. What kind of future are we building? Who are we building it with? What do we want it to look like? And what are the traits that we want to encourage in ourselves and our loved ones so that future can be the best possible version and that we can avoid the conditioning that happens generation after generation. Yes, and also ask questions. Self-thinkers also ask questions. They don't accept everything just because it's been said. They start thinking about it. They don't believe everything just because it's said, or they don't believe or follow everything because it was on TV. They go and do their own research. That's what I mean when I try to inspire to be self-thinkers. And I think that's very important because we want our children to be self-thinkers and our grandchildren to be self-thinkers and our neighbors and friends, children and grandchildren and children's children, because that is what will create a different future in the now, because we are now laying down the framework for that every now, not every now and then, <laughs> but every now. Every moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely agree. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Are you part of the problem or part of the solution, dear listeners? Please do let us know what you think about this conversation. 
Tell us how it's helped you in your life. Please keep sharing our episodes with all your family, friends, and colleagues. We do think that this is valuable information that will help all of us be our best versions. That's it from us this week. We'll be talking to you again soon, so look out for our new episodes. We are Bold and Blonde. Mindset Evolution. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening in to the Bald and Blonde Mindset Evolution podcast. Please share our show with your family and friends. Together, we make this world a better place for you, for us, for future generations. When you need consulting or coaching, visit selfrecoding.com. Also, please remember to rate us five stars and leave a review and support us at baldandblonde.live. Talk to you soon.